This is the Horse Radio Network. Welcome to Season 2 of the Horse Nutrition Podcast presented by Purina Animal Nutrition. In this season, we take you on a compelling journey filled with the stories of extraordinary horses doing amazing jobs. We hope that you will come away empowered and entertained, along with advice and knowledge on how to best feed these incredible equine companions. This is Lisa Wysocki from Nashville, Tennessee. I am an award-winning author, editor, equine clinician, and motivational speaker who trains horses for and consults with therapeutic riding programs. I am your host for Season 2 of the Horse Nutrition Podcast presented by Purina. Today, we bring you the extraordinary story of Smokey the Pack Horse who overcame an incredible challenge and was the most unlikely candidate to ever pack kids through the mountain. We also talk with Aubrey Laronia at Swan Mountain Outfitters and Dr. Karen Davison, who is an equine nutritionist at Purina Animal Nutrition. If you've ever been there, you know the views of the mountaintops of Glacier National Park are absolutely majestic. From the sunrise peaks above the mountains, wildlife just comes to life from deer and elk and the occasional bear, as well as abundant trout and other fish in the rivers and creeks. Can it get even better? Well, actually it does. You can experience it on horseback in a three to nine day trail ride through Swan Mountain Outfitters. They have a pretty amazing story about how they got started and Aubrey Laronia is here to tell us all about it. So Aubrey, Swan Mountain really started with a midlife crisis with your dad. Tell us about that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's what we like to call it. He probably doesn't (laughs) like that description of it, but (laughs) um Yeah. So dad's background was in accounting and consulting for, you know, a whole 25, 30 year career. He was a partner in the firm and had been very successful. But as a family, we always grew up hiking and fishing and camping and backpacking and taking every second of every vacation he ever had, you know, to get out into the woods and the wilderness. And he grew up with horses. And so I would say, well, so it was 2004, I guess, that he had a a transfer request in his firm. And at the time he was living in New York City. We're not New Yorkers or from there specifically, but that's where he was at the time. And they asked him to do a lateral move to Minneapolis or a, a different kind of big city. And he just wasn't that excited about it and just felt very kind of listless and passionless about that idea and continuing on in that kind of vein. And so he had already purchased property in Montana and we lit, we're up in the northwest corner of Montana near Glacier National Park, which is just, you know, stunningly beautiful. And it's it's rocky, the Rocky Mountains at its best. And uh, and so he just missed it. Every time he wasn't there, he missed it. And there was a little outfit for sale 12 miles down the road from their property, um, which is in a very rural area of Montana. So being able to run a business and live out of that property was very unlikely. And then this just kind of fell into his lap. And so he kind of conned my mom <laughs> <laughs> buying this this hobby lifestyle business, you know, and moving on to run pack trips and hunting trips in, in the mountains of Montana. And it was going to be seasonal and it was going to be very, um, you know, mellow and calm and little did she know, or she probably knew better, but <laughs> he's a, he's a serial entrepreneur and, um, you know, chronic kind of just growth type person and had all these amazing skills from his previous work. And, and so he grew the business and he grew it to the point of, of where we are now, where we have multiple divisions and all the members of the family are now a part of it. And so the little, the little outfit that he bought out was originally just 
summer pack trips and a few hunters during the hunting season. We now call that our swan division and we have the full gamut of backcountry trips in the area we focus in is the Bob Marshall Wilderness Complex, which is just pristine wilderness area, you know, very, very heavily protected. You can't even take a chainsaw or motorized tools in some of those areas because they want to keep it truly wilderness. Wow. Um, so you can imagine the scenery that you that you have when you get back there because it's just been untouched. You know, your growth to me has been just phenomenal. And you have, what, 150 head of horses there. What what breeds do you prefer and why why do you choose those breeds and horses? Well, you know, we've got 150 in our own herd, but we lease an additional 125. Oh, my goodness. Um, from, from Yellowstone Outfitters, uh, Yellowstone Horse Rentals in, in Afton, Wyoming. And so, and we've had that relationship for a very long time. So when we're operating... In peak ski season, we're talking 275 horses, Holy not just cow. 150. Um, and I should clarify that it's not just horses. We have a lot of mules, too. So, um, you know, in general, whether it's the least herd or our own, we definitely use a lot of, of half drafts. Um, the the full drafts are probably a little bit too big for most tack and people. <laughs> you know, they're poor inner thighs. <laughs> yeah, right. But the half draft is a really nice mix of just a real steady, calm demeanor, real hearty, easy keepers from a from a feed perspective. Um, and they're just not they're not quick. They're not quick. You know, they're not quick right, at anything, right. <laughs> which is good for for the trail rides. Um, when we're doing our pack train stuff and stuff in the in the backcountry, the mules are probably our go to preferred for that. Either that or a, a quarter horse or something with a little bit more nimble kind of uh, design. Or we we do also use a lot of halflingers, and they're nice because they're kind of the best of all worlds, except for they're mischievous as all get out. Right, you either love them or <laughs> you hate them. Stocky, exactly. They're stocky <laughs> like a draft horse and shorter to the ground, which is great for guests. We do get a lot of novice riders that come out with us, and so it's nice to have something that's not so big and not so intimidating. Um, and they also hold their weight pretty well, and they're pretty, um, they're pretty go go go. They they have a lot of stamina, and they 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 like a job, and and we've got good jobs for horses like that. We exclusively use geldings um, by choice, so we 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 have an all all male herd except for the handful of female you know mollies mules. Yeah, no uh, drama. Which are no drama herd category. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I know you, exactly. you 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 have to put your horses through a pretty rigorous training program for all that you do. What's that like for the horse? So when a horse comes to Swan Mountain and they're new, what kind of training do they get? First of all, they don't, when they come to us, they're not, you know, we're not breaking cold. So right, we're right. not, yes, we don't have green broke animals. So we, we already buy animals that have a proven track record, that have a history of doing, you know, rides and that kind of thing. And so when they come into us or packing, when they come into us, we, we put them on the pack string for the first, you know, at least a full season. Sometimes it's two or three. It depends on how the horse responds or, or, um, you know, just how they act with, with the herd in general. And they kind of have little uh, stages throughout the process where they kind of prove themselves and then we decide to graduate them up. And so, um, the, the first step is to come in and be in the pack string and just take gear and there's no guests involved. The guides take the, the pack horses up and down the mountain, typically, you know, minimum of a 14 mile trek, uh, with fairly decent elevation gain, anywhere between three and 5,000 feet elevation gain. So it's a, it's a good push and it. And if they got a lot of spunk, it wears them out and <laughs> it teaches yeah. them, okay, we're at work and here's what we do. And it gets them into routine and they have to follow each other because they're all strung together. 
Um, and so we do that for at least a season, like I said, for or as long as necessary. And then they get graduated to a guide horse. And so then a guide horse is going to be one that's going to be ridden by a Swan Mountain Wrangler, you know, who's obviously going to be much more experienced when it comes to mm-hmm. horseback riding than a guest. And typically we'll stick with one Wrangler for a while. And once they've been really confident, then we might have a, a newer Wrangler ride them for a little bit and and they keep doing that until they get graduated to guest horse and then guest horse is going to be typically in our swan division first where where our guests tend to be a little bit more savvy than the guests that we see up in Glacier National Park so we usually start them down there and then kind of the the highest level for us is is a guest that has proved themselves or a horse that's proved themselves in all of those different categories then gets moved up to Glacier where we'll do 15,000 trail rides in a summer season am i correct in thinking that any horse in your string, once they've passed all the levels that they're going to be, could either be a guide horse or they could be a guest horse. There, do they kind of jump back and forth like one ride or Wrangler might ride a horse and then the next uh, ride, uh, a guest might ride that same horse? Yeah, they probably don't jump back and forth that frequently, you know, within the same day. Um, but absolutely, if, if, a, if a horse is good enough to be a guest horse, then they can then they can absolutely be a Wrangler horse. Yeah. So um, so the the it guest horses the way around. Right. So the guest horses really have a higher level than the guide horses do. Absolutely. How do you know when a horse is not a good fit? I mean, obviously, if a horse horse spooks at every squirrel that they see, then you know that maybe the horse doesn't stay at Swan Mountain very long. But what other challenges would a horse have that would make uh, him or her him not be a good fit for you? Yeah, I would say you know it has to do with the herd for sure. So that's a big change for us from you know a standard horse owner or even a smaller barn. When these guys are together, when they're in the big herd at Winter Pasture, there's 150 of them, and and even when they break out into their smaller operating locations, they're in groups of 30 or 45. And so we do get a lot of requests, for example, for Wranglers that are horse people that have their own horses and want to have them with them and want to ride them. And I'm like, yeah, but has it ever lived with a herd? You know, like, has it ever been in that kind of social <laughs> right, right, and known what it's be what it's like to be on the bottom of the totem pole? And so that's a big thing. Um, is is because we've had really great horses that just can't, they just can't do herd life and they can't really yeah. figure out their place in that, in that totem pole. Right. Um, and so that's been a reason to to move a horse down the road. Um, stamina, just, you know, whether a horse is, is cut out for doing something, multiple two hour rides or, or the big long treks, 14, 20, 25 miles in a day. Mm-hmm. Um, doing that multiple days a week versus once in a while when someone wants to ride them. So there is a kind of a sweet spot, a period of time where the horse, um, you know, can can do that and do that well. And then they start to slow down. And we typically like to move those horses on to, to families that are going to, you know, take them out. They're still great. They still will do a good job. They're going to be about as bomb proof as you can say a horse can be from all of what they've seen with us. But they probably don't need to do it every single day. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. Or go 25 miles every day. Exactly. Yeah. Out of all of your horses, there is one horse that for a number of years now has been many people's favorite horse. Tell us a little mm-hmm. bit about Smokey, kind of his history, because he really overcame some some challenges to, to become this fan favorite at Swan Mountain. He did. Yeah. <laughs> so 
way back when we kind of dabbled along with breeding um, and very quickly realized that that was a whole bigger, you know, we had this kind of pipe dream of, wouldn't it be so cool if we had this amazing stallion and we produced these amazing babies and all of the animals that were in the string were swan mountain bred and, you know, we had this very <laughs> um, silly idea that that would be feasible and could actually, you know, be profitable or <laughs> would make sense. And then very quickly learned that that wasn't going to be the right, right route because you have, you, you put a lot into babies before they, they even can put a saddle on them. You know, oh, yeah. you're talking three or four years before it even makes sense to start looking at them for that purpose. And then um, that really wasn't our arena. So, but when that was kind of the original thought, um, we had this beautiful stallion or we still have him he, at the time. He was a stallion. His name was Smokey and he's, he's foundation quarter horse, a beautiful, beautiful animal, beautiful lines, produced a lot of beautiful babies that are still part of our herd. Um, and, and he's got a great personality, even, even, you know, stallions have such a bad reputation as being so, um, just crazy and, and just too much. And he, all, even when he was a stallion, he was sweet and, and, you know, he still was a little bit steady, but he was, um, he had a sweet personality even, even then. And now it's just even more so. And so we were doing the breeding for a while and we realized we weren't going to continue on with that, but we had already fallen in love with Smokey and couldn't imagine not having him as part of our, our herd and part of our life. And so we were like, well, what do we do with a stallion? You know, we just keep stallions around. Right, <laughs> right. I don't know what we do with him. <laughs> and so we looked into gelding him, but he was really quite old to have that done. He was 12 when we did it. Oh, wow. um, and so we were a little bit nervous, you know, with, and he healed perfectly and he responded perfectly to it. And so then we were able to move him into kind of the general swing of things. Um, and he went through the whole gamut of the, all the training I just described. And, um, cause up until then his only training was to show up at his appointment <laughs> time and, you know, do his beat. And so he had a whole different world he had to expose himself <laughs> to and get, get kind of accustomed to and did phenomenal at it. Again, keeping that really sweet personality that he I just loved, loves to be around people like he will he will comment his name being called when you come in you come down to pasture and you say up boys and they all look up and smoking you'll say okay no come running right to you and he's just such a sweetheart and so he went through all the training and now he's up in our glacier division and so he's 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 at that cream of the crop he's gone through kind of all those different levels of being in the pack string down in the swan and coming up to glacier and taking all kinds of different people. And and then he is our go-to for a scared little kid. That's just first time rider. And who's going to take care of him? Well, Smokey's going to take care of him. Just what a special guy for him to go from an older breeding stallion, well, 12, but middle-aged breeding yeah. stallion yeah. to be able to carry kids who probably don't know how to ride all that well through the exactly. mountains. That's and he a still also horse. retains that kind of status in with the herd too. You know, he's, even though he's older and he's still, he's still the boss, you know, they know it and he still has that. So it's kind of cool to see that too. Cause he <laughs> definitely has that, that game figured out as well. <laughs> I was going to ask about that because we talked about how important it was for them to fit into the herd. Um, mm-hmm. And I was going to ask, you know, so he's obviously still the leader there. Yep. Absolutely. Aubrey, tell us how your horses are fed because to feed over 200 horses, just how how the mechanics of it is mind boggling to me. Well, when they're at winter pasture, we are fortunate enough to be able to put them. It's not our, our land. It's, it's owned by a big family um, that's been in the Flathead Valley for years and years. And uh, it's the O'Connell Hay Farm. And 
the O'Connell family takes care of our horses all winter, and we also buy all of our hay from them um, all summer. So they are on the same forage from the you know wintertime all the way through into the summer, which is really good for them. Um, so in the wintertime, it's pretty easy because they're all together. They have a lot of land. He uses a big tractor, and, and they, they do a lot of um, their own scrounging up for food, which is good for them to keep them moving and um, digging and pawing and all of what horses are supposed to do because that's the way they were designed. But then we supplement that because we're up in Northwest Montana and we have cold winters. And so we supplement that obviously with with putting out hay bales and making sure that the tractors used to get, get plenty of food out to them and then um, mineral as well. And so that's pretty much the story for the wintertime when we come into the summertime the the herd does get broken apart down into their operating locations. So we don't have all 275 in one place. They're broken into groups of this, the smallest one would be 30 and the biggest one would be probably 55 or 60. So Aubrey, what would you feed a horse like Smokey, a horse who's going into the mountains and carrying people and going 25 miles a day for four or five days or a week at a time? What What kind of feed do you feed? Well, we're currently on... Purina impact for for all the horses as just a kind of the base. Um, and and that just gives them that extra energy when they're in the winter time, they they're just on on hay and and a little bit of mineral. Um, but once we get into the summer season, they're starting to work hard. They need a little extra boost similar to the way you know, people need protein shakes or supplements when they're starting to work out hard or do a, a big workout at the gym. And so Smokey's currently on that. But in addition to that, because he is a little bit older and because um, he can work a little bit harder because he is a go-to animal. Um, so he tends to get picked first and used the most. We also have <laughs> him on the Purina Super Sport, um, which is which just helps a little bit more. It's my understanding with the muscle building and that kind of thing. It's, it's kind of that extra boost. So we have those two products along with the mineral and then just really good quality hay um, that we use throughout the season. Well, that sounds like a really good plan. And, you know, we've got somebody here who can tell us a little bit more about that, Dr. Karen Davison, who is an animal nutritionist with Purina. Dr. Davison, these horses, like Smokey, have to physically exert themselves to carry people through the mountains. So what's going on inside the horse? Does he burn a lot more calories? Yeah, Lisa, you know, even though it's not what you'd consider quick athletic activity, um, they are working while they're doing this and so just to give some kind of references horses if they're walking you know and Aubrey mentioned Smokey those horses travel 14 to 25 miles a day yes if, if you think about it, even at a walk you know a horse walks an average of two to four miles an hour so you think you know to walk that 14 miles you're talking four to six hours to walk that 14 miles and those horses, just over, let's say on an average, it takes them five hours to walk that, just an estimated burn of a 1,000 calories an hour. And that's just a pretty conservative estimate. You know, if they're carrying heavy weight, if they're going up and down terrain that's uneven, if it's hot and humid, or if they're going even faster than a walk, that's going to go up. So just figure a conservative 5,000 calories to, to go that five-hour trail ride and that easily translates to about three or four pounds of, of a pretty good feed above whatever it takes to maintain them on a day they didn't do that level of work. So, you know, it's, it is exercise. And, you know, if you go faster, that goes up. If you kind of compare that to what like an endurance horse who's going at, you know, trots and, and gallops, they're burning about 9,000 calories per hour. So there's that level of activity 
But these trail horses, just because it's going for so long, they are burning a significant amount of calories. Um, for fun things, some of our listeners might be interested, so these horses are carrying people, right? So for the person riding that horse for that five hours, they burned about 1,300 calories. So I thought oh, that was wow. kind of interesting. <laughs> That's very interesting. Yeah. So. When, when a, a guide horse is out or, or uh, a trail horse is out for more than a week at a time, what challenges are there in feeding that horse? Well, you know, uh, and Aubrey mentioned again, too, that it takes some time to acclimate those horses. And those horses that they have there are used to this and they're conditioned for it. They're, uh, so it's not as stressful for them as it may be if, say, if you and I and a couple of friends of ours wanted to go together for a long weekend and we end up taking horses who aren't normally around each other, they're not normally doing this kind of activity, they're in strange environments. So all those stressors for our horses would be amplified over what you have at, at Swan Mountain Horses because they're used to it all. But still, you have to pack in and out and you know, you think about horses tending to graze all day if they're maintenance horses out on pasture, but these horses can't graze all day, so they don't have the time to eat that amount of forage. So getting their calories into them requires feed and more concentrated calorie sources to help them sustain their, their energy through the day. And, you know, for those what we're talking about now has been calories up until now, and calories are something you can tell short-term whether you're meeting those or not in the horse by whether they gain weight or lose weight. So if you have a horse losing weight, you know you're not feeding them enough calories to meet their energy needs at the exertion level they're at. But, uh, you know, Aubrey mentioned as well that they have to feed a better feed during these working times because for long-term exercise, you begin to really pull on protein, vitamins, and minerals from a nutrition standpoint too. So you have to support you have to support the machine. You have to, you know, the calories fuel the engine, but you have to have to sustain the structure of the machine as well. And these horses that are doing this day in, day out, um, you know, they're fit for it. They're in good shape. It's not necessarily hard on them as long as they're supported nutritionally. Yeah, and you know, I think another issue that we have can be water. What happens if if you come across a mountain stream and your horse doesn't drink? And I, I think that could maybe happen with uh, you know an experienced trail or guide or pack horse as well as one that just you know went out for the weekend. Well, no, you bring up a really good point because uh, the again these horses are used to that. They're they're you know wintered out in the pastures. They're used to drinking out of natural sources. Um, me personally, years ago, never even thought about it. We'd had a horse that was raised always drank out of a trough, and we turned him out in a large pasture with a pond, and never realized until two or three days later that this horse didn't know how to drink out of a pond, and he was dehydrated and you had to have the vet out and all those kind of things. So again, if you're considering going on one of these rides and your horse isn't used to that, it's important to test those things out because especially if it's hot um, and they're going to sweat any, uh, they're going to need, need some water, but you know, a maintenance horse needs to eat, needs to drink, you know, 10 to 15 gallons a day, you put exercise to that and that, that nearly doubles. So um, taking time to make sure they, they're hydrated is really important. 
Yeah, yeah, you know, and I'd like to bring it back to this really special, amazing horse, Smokey. So we're going to assume that that over the years he's learned how to drink water. But if he's out, um, you know, on on a ride, what kind of feed might you bring with you uh, to feed a horse like Smokey? What what product specifically do you think might work best for him? Well, it, you know, depends on, on what you have. And, and Swan Mountain, they pack in their own hay. and mm-hmm. um, But they have weed-free, certified weed-free hay that they grow in their facilities. And, and they have the mules to pack it in. But it's very bulky. And not everyone has access to certified weed-free hay. And so typically, most of us would have to pack in um, a pelleted fiber or forage replacement, uh, something like an equine senior or a, a hay, we have impact hay stretcher, we have hay replacement pellets, alfalfa pellets or something, something typically pelleted meets most requirements for certified weed free. So you need to be able to make sure you get either certified weed free hay or a pelleted hay replacement product in and then the normal feed that that horse would eat and just consider that if you're going to work that hard you know and again that's just a five hour walk means that they need about three to four more pounds of feed a day um, and then Aubrey also mentioned that you know a horse like Smokey he, he's a, he was a stallion for much of his life um, he had He's real muscular, beautiful horse, really muscular. But when you work that long, that repetitively, you do begin to break down muscle tissue. And so they're using Super Sport, which is a really specific amino acid supplement developed by Purina at our research farm. Um, We did a lot of exercise trials on horses, feeding them this very specific amino acid supplement, and were able to optimize their muscle mass. But the really cool thing was is that we helped the muscles recover from repetitive work. And so, you know, if you think about horses or you think about yourself, if you go and you do exercise over a long weekend that you're not maybe necessarily used to doing and your muscles get sore, um, that happens to the horses as well, and the Super Sport helps with that. So that's why they're using a product like Super Sport on these horses that go out frequently over long periods of time uh, because it's more than just calories that you might have to make sure you supply. Now, where can listeners find out more online? Where, where can you point them where they can either learn more or find a nutritionist where they can actually talk about their own specific horse and their own specific feeding challenges? Sure, Lisa. We have a lot of really good information on PurinaMills.com. That's PurinaMills.com forward slash full rain, F-U-L-L-R-E-I-N. Well, I'm ready to go on a trail ride. I can't think of anything better than riding a steady horse into the mountains. And whether it's the first ride of the season or the last ride of the year, I think I'm ready to go. The peace and quiet and the serenity has to be absolutely amazing. And, you know, for a horse like Smokey to go from a breeding stallion to such a steady eddy trail horse that Swan Mountain feels comfortable putting very young children on him and sending them off into the wilderness, that's a testament to Smokey's adaptability, I think. The fact that he is so obviously loves his job and the people around him is just icing on the cake. Plus, I love knowing that there's a well-trained, reliable, healthy guide horse to lead people into the adventures of a lifetime. It's clear that the Swan Mountain horses have a unique job and that good care, management, and nutrition are key elements of keeping those horses at peak performance every day. The Horse Nutrition Podcast can also be found on the Horse Radio Network app. Just search for Horse Radio Network in the Apple or Android app stores and you'll find 17 different shows all about horses right there. 
Thank you for listening to the story of Smokey, the amazing pack horse on the Horse Nutrition Podcast by Purina. Thanks also to Aubrey Laronia, Swan Mountain Outfitters, and Dr. Karen Davison, equine nutritionist at Purina Animal Nutrition. If you missed season one, you can go back on any podcast player and take a listen to all the past episodes. Learn more about all of Purina's equine products at purinamills.com and learn more about all the amazing horses that we were talking about. Thanks for tuning in.